Okay, so last week we had discussed mostly about Lecha Mishnah. Finish up regarding the salt, and then we'll move on to the halachas of Suda itself. Halachas of salt are actually very interesting. It's not a halacha which is relevant particularly to Shabbos, relevant really the whole week around. <coughs> the Shulchan Aruch brings down that there's a Indian of having salt on the table when the person makes hamotzi, not necessarily to use the salt but to have it on the table. And the Shulchan Aruch says this is similar to the idea that all kabanos require salt. Al kol kabanach atak of melech is the pastik and all kabanos require salt. The shochan is like a mezbeach. A person uses the shochan, hopefully, to eating in ways which are uplift the food, which is similar to a mezbeach. Also, a person uses the table to take care of others, hopefully, to do chasta with it. And all those things have the connotation and the concept of a carbon, and therefore we imitate that or mimic that by having salt on the table. That's the shochan says. And he takes it one step further and says that, particularly, while a person's waiting to make hamotzi, they're like sitting without mitzvos. There's nothing. They're just waiting to do the next mitzvah hamotzi. They're just washed. So the salt sort of is the continuation between the washing, which took place before. Hamotzi will take place in a moment. So sort of combines it with a mitzvah in between this connection, the combination of the salt with the kabanos. That's the Yishuchan Aruch itself. Again, no mention of using the salt. I mention of having the salt on the table during the brachas hamotzi. The Mishabrua then brings in that Api Kabbalah, based on Kabbalistic ideas, there's a concept of dipping the salt in three times. Why three times? Why dipping particularly? I don't know. This is the Kabbalistic concept, which is particularly focused on dipping and dipping three times. It would seem like just dipping once, which some people do, doesn't have necessarily a source in Halacha or in Kabbalah. Halacha is the idea of having salt on the table. Kabbalah's idea of dipping in three times, and that's what's relevant to salt. Interesting that somehow people often use the dafka on Shabbos. It's true many don't wash during the week in general, so it doesn't happen so often, but if one does wash during the week, there's an Indian certainly having salt, of using salt, dipping in three times. That would all, all apply, not necessarily on Shabbos, but certainly during the week as well. Yeah? Is Any bread, yeah. Is it Indian to do so? It's hard to say. Not a chiv, but Indian to do so. Yeah. Is it Indian to have it on the table during the week? There is. Yeah. And also, is the person who uh, is making the should they be washing last? Okay, so we'll get to washing in, in a few moments. Okay. That we'll, we'll get to talk about that. And potentially, yes, we'll see that. It's just the washing. So let's start about the Shabbos meals. And the Shabbos meal, we'll talk in general. We'll, we'll discuss washing in particular and the Bracha Hamotzi and Amto Sadayim go through that step by step. So in terms of the actual meals, the Gemara brings down there's a requirement, question if it's from the Torah or Drabanan, simply it's Drabanan, but according to some it's actually based on a Pasuk, might be Doraisa, but certainly there's a requirement to have three meals on Shabbos. Three meals is one Friday night, two Shabbos day, it's a basic requirement for Sudas of Shabbos. The Gemara learns that from a Pasuk actually by the Mun, the Mun, which was the meals that were given before Shabbos, for the sake of Shabbos, the Pasuk uses over there the words Hayom, three times, and the Gemara says the extra word Hayom three times teaches us that there are three meals on Shabbos. That's the basic concept word in the Gemara. Poskim do point out 
that three is generally Friday night, Shabbos day, but for some reason if someone didn't have a meal Friday night, that's say they were sick and they were in bed and they didn't have a meal, they would still have a requirement of three meals, and three meals would be Shabbos day. I mean, it doesn't have to be Friday night one, Shabbos day two, that's the general way it's done, being that we generally have a meal at night, supper, etc., so that's the first meal, but if that wouldn't work out for whatever reason, it would be three Shabbos day. Now I want to go through some of the... Yeah. Then you would just be Kiddush Friday Right. There is, there is... If someone didn't miss Kiddush Friday night, they would <coughs> still make the, the bracha part of the Kiddush Shabbos morning. As part of the Kiddush? Yes. They added to the Shabbos morning. Correct. I mean, yeah. The, Shabbos, the main Shabbos, the Kiddush, actually just the really the Borpia the are really extra. But the bracha Friday night would be said Shabbos day if someone missed Kiddush Friday night. And then the Hamotzi would be the first meal and the other two meals just... Washing. No, so can which the minute to say, and it certainly can be said. Now, I want to go through some of the basic halachas of washing in general, not necessarily pertaining to Shabbos, but washing, which we'll see that is certainly relevant to Shabbos. We always do wash on Shabbos, and some particularly halachas which are relevant to Shabbos specifically. So, as far as washing, so one of the questions. We're dealing with is in terms of order of washing. Is there a requirement or preference? Who washes first? Who washes second? Who washes third? And why would there be a difference of what order one washes in? So it's really based on the halacha as follows. The Shachan Aruch says there's a preference, certainly, and as much as possible, one should avoid a hefsek. One should avoid any sort of level of break between the washing and hamotzi. Washing is obviously going on the hamotzi, and therefore the minimal break the, minimum, the less break, the, the better. So much so, the Shulchan Aruch says, if someone could even avoid walking more than 22 amis, which is not that much, I mean, somewhere about 35 feet, which is not that much, and certainly in a large hole you'll have more than that. But even more than that, if you could avoid delaying the time it takes to walk 22 amis, which is, again, not that long at all, probably uh, maybe a minute or, or, or less, if you could avoid that time of hefsek between washing and hamotzi, that is certainly preferable. And we see certainly the preference and perhaps as much as possible to avoid this level of hefsek. And the question is how to do that. Number one is often it's very difficult, especially for a number of people of washing. Obviously, if you have a longer place to travel, especially if you're in a large room and the washing station is far away from the place where hamotzi is, certainly will have more hefsek than that. And very often it's almost impossible to avoid that level of hefsek. So there is a very simple, simple solution that the, there are two parts to the washing process. The washing process begins with the actual washing and the drying process actually is part and parcel of the, of the washing. So much so that if one didn't dry their hands, the Gemara says it's a problem for eating the bread and it's not considered the washing has not been finished or completed until the drying is done. The idea of washing is based on tumma, and the tumma still really applies or still is, is possible as long as the person's hands are wet. And therefore, there's a requirement to dry one's hands as part of the washing. So the simple solution is as follows, is that until a person dries their hands, the washing process is not complete. It's not over until the, wash, until the drying is done. Therefore, anytime there's going to be a level of hefsek, separation, certainly in space to walk across a larger room. It'll take time to get there. The, the simple solution the post can say is not to fully dry one's hands until certainly reaching your place. 
which wherever that may be, the table you're going to sit down. And if you know that it'll take time till the amotzi is made, it's even preferable to wait. So wait to fully dry your hands. You can sit there with hands somewhat wet. It doesn't have to be fully wet, but somewhat wet. And that would actually be preferable because this way the drying process, which is part of the washing, is not complete until one's hands are completely dry. And that's the way to avoid minimal amount of hefsik. If Until one's hands are dry, the, drawing, the washing is not complete. So that's one aspect as far as the idea of hefsik. Now this also ties into the reason why many have a meaning that the person making the mozi washes last. Why? Because you want to have him make, he's making the bracha. So therefore, the one who's making the bracha would make sense that if anyone, if you want to choose who should have the least hefsik, it would make sense, at least the person making the bracha has the least amount of hefsik. Everyone's going to have some hefsik, and obviously the one who washes last will have the least hefsik. So if you want to choose who should wash last, it would make sense that the person who's making the bracha, actually reciting the bracha, has the least amount of hefsik, and therefore that's why many have the person making the mozi wash last. Is it required? No. But it certainly would make sense based on structure. Someone has to wash last, so it makes sense he would be the one to wash last. Again, the solution of waiting to dry would be, regardless, a, a option for everyone, including the person making the bracha, but certainly it's, it, the, the less half-sick, the better in general. That's one aspect as far as washing. Another, which really ties into the same point, and this is often confused, is when is the best and most appropriate time to recite the bracha of Alam Tilosadayim? Obviously, we wash, and there's the bracha. At what point should the bracha be recited? What's the, what's the proper and best point? And there's a lot of confusion about this. The confusion really comes from as follows, that most brachos, if not almost all brachos, are normally made over lasiyasa. Over lasiyasa means that before the bracha is, before, I'm sorry, before the mitzvah is done, the bracha is recited. Right, for example, food is certainly that way. Person's going to first make a bracha and then eat the food. Bracha is going on the food. Most mitzvahs are that way. Person's doing mafresh chala. They first say the bracha and then do a fresh chala. Uh, shofar, right? The bracha is said and then the shofar is blown. Almost every mitzvah is first the bracha is recited and then the mitzvah is done. There are a few basic exceptions to that halacha. One is we mentioned already halakas neiros, right? Lighting candles is an exception to that halacha. And the reason is, is that even though normally it would make sense to say the bracha first and then light the candles, but since the minig is that women accept Shabbos with the bracha, that reciting the bracha, obviously it's too late to light the candles once the bracha is recited. And that's why we first light the candles and then say the bracha. We mentioned that to try to avoid benefiting, which is why we cover their eyes, until after the bracha. That's one exception. A second exception is washing. The bracha of Alam Again, it would make sense that first make the bracha and then wash. We don't do that. We first wash and then make the bracha. Why is that done? So the Shulchan Aruch says that the reason why we normally make the bracha first is because you want to have the bracha going on the mitzvah. However, in this case, often or potentially, a person's hands, particularly before he wash them, may be unfit to actually recite a bracha. may not be the case, but often the person depends on what the person touched and what they were involved in. Before the, before the washing, the hands may be unfit to make a bracha. Certainly part of the washing process is to make the hands fit for making a bracha, for eating bread, etc. And therefore, since a person's hands may be unfit, the proper way to do it is first wash, get one's hands fit and ready to make a bracha, and the bracha afterwards. But the problem obviously is, 
over Las Yasin. The bracha should always be made before the mitzvah is done, which means once the mitzvah is done, it almost would be makes sense. It's too late to make a bracha, right? Food is certainly makes sense. The person ate the food and then wants to make a bracha. It's too late to make a bracha after you finish eating the food. So over here also, if the person washed already, doesn't even make sense to make a bracha. So we said, by lighting candles, we have a solution. What's the solution? Don't benefit from the candles till after the bracha is made, which is why we close our eyes. So here also, there's a similar solution. Actually, here it's even better because we just said that there were two parts to the washing process, the washing and the drying. So as long as the bracha is said before the drying process, before the drying is done, so the bracha is still going before the mitzvah is completed. Half the mitzvah is done by the washing. The other half is the drying. And if the bracha is recited in between the washing and the drying, therefore it's still going to make, on some level, yasan, it's still before the complete mitzvah is done. And that's the proper and appropriate time to make the bracha, right after washing, right before drying, even before starting to dry. It means once a person starts to dry their hands, it's true, the mitzvah is not over yet until the drying is complete. However, the Mishnah points out that in general, one should avoid doing anything while making a bracha. Even something simple as drying hands, it's not a very involved activity, but it's something somewhat distracting. And generally during a bracha, a person should avoid doing anything. Even something as simple as drying their hands. So therefore, the most appropriate time is the person finishes washing, the bracha is recited, and then the drawing is done, again, not necessarily completed at that point. You could wait till we get to the person's seat, etc. But the drawing is done after the bracha is recited. That's an important rule which comes out based on this, on this halacha we just said, that there are two actual parts to the washing process. Another important point regarding washing, which is again relevant both Shabbos during the week in general, but also not so well known, is the idea of hefsik, meaning that, as we mentioned before, after a person washes, should not be any hefsik, even potentially waiting or walking should have be avoided. But Allah takes it one step further, that really it doesn't start the issue of hefsik after a person washes, between washing and hamotzi. The issue of hefsik actually starts from the beginning of washing. It's once, the, once the mitzvah has started, which means the washing is, has begun, from that point on, a person should avoid any hefsik. Talking certainly, or any other level of hefsik, a person should avoid from, this, from the point the washing has started. Very often people are confused that once, until the bracha is recited, he can still talk. It's not really, it's not true. Once the mitzvah starts, which is from the beginning of the washing, nothing should be a hefsik from that point up until and including the bread is consumed until, that, until after that point. No, hefsik, no talking certainly should be done, should be spoken at at that point to avoid the issue of hefsik from the beginning of the washing to the end of the washing, which will take place actually by the eating of that mozi. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, to, to help someone make the bracha or help someone wash, anything is not considered a hefsik. Anything involved in the washing process would not be considered a hefsik. But talking about something unrelated, that certainly would be considered a hefsik. It's not. It means once you're walking anyway, and, not, and there's no, the, nothing extra is being done as a result, that would not be considered a half stick. Extra walking, maybe, extra time, maybe, but here nothing extra is happening, no time and no. Like with, correct. Yeah. I take something in, that would not be considered a half stick. Well, I mean, if you're waiting for somebody to wash anyways, can you like, start like, 
just kind of get extra little after we fish. Let's be hands get dirty. Right, so it's not so feasible to keep your hands wet. So, I mean, it's that, that. Right, the truth is, if, if you don't do something, you keep them wet and then avoid the issue of hefsek. If involved in something else, it's not going to be so practical to keep them wet, and then just for that reason itself, might be a problem to avoid doing something else. So it's only an advantage to not doing that. <coughs> One last halacha regarding washing in general is the brach of Alam This is an important point which is really leads into our next point about the brach of Hamotzi. The brach of Alam is only recited when a person eats a minimal of a kebeya of bread. Kebeya is tukazesim, which we'll get to that in a moment exactly how much that is. But less than that, it means a person makes a Hamotzi on the smallest amount of bread. Washing is on the smallest amount of bread. You have to wash and make hamotzi. But the bracha of al-Tilas Yadayim is only recited when the person eats a minimum of a kebeya of bread. Now, to give some understanding what, how much that is, a kezayis is about the amount of bread that fits into a fluid ounce. Right? So imagine a schnapps cup, which is, a, is about an ounce. So the amount of bread that fits, that if you squished it in there, without the airspace, went in there, that's the amount that Kazai is, which is not very large at all. Rabbanu Sefer, which has his depiction of Kazai, he says it's the, the middle slice of a two-pound rye. Right? Imagine a New York two-pound rye, and a quarter of that is a Kazai. Pretty small. So it's a quarter of the large slice of a two-pound loaf of bread. Right? So it's, it's not that big, and again, it's the amount that fits into a schnapps cup. And people think a Kazai is very large. Not very large at all. I think of things fitting into a schnapps cup. Not doesn't take that much to fit in there. That's the amount of a kezayis. A kebeya is double that, so it'll be about half of the middle slice of this bread, and that's the minimal amount that one needs in order to make the brach valentiosadayim. Now, one always makes generally we wash. We always make the brach valentiosadayim. That's just part of how we do things, and which is fine. But that creates a requirement to make sure that one eats at least the kebeya of pas. And this is going to really lead us into a few other reasons as well, but that's one reason why it's important to keep in mind that one makes sure it has a minimal amount of bread or challah, which is a kebeya, which is, again, about two fluid ounces of, I mean, the amount, the volume of two fluid ounces of liquid. But more than that, that amount of pas has to be eaten within a time frame. This is halacha called kadeachilas pras, which means that if one eats, let's say, a, a, a nibble of a, a little nibble of bread, and then five minutes later another little nibble, and five minutes later, it doesn't join together. It needs a time frame in order that the all the bread that one eats joins together. Kadeachilas pras is somewhere between two and nine minutes. Two being the most strict, and nine being the most lenient. We know that for many halachas and supplies, right? A matzah and pesach, we try to eat it quickly within two to nine minutes other halachas as well. This halacha applies really to almost all eating halachas, that it should be within that time span of two to nine minutes in order to be considered one eating. It's not considered one eating unless it's within that time frame. So for example, we just said that washing and making the bracha requires a kebeya of pas. That means a kebeya within, try preferably within two minutes. Time frame. And that's l'chatchila. Maximum, nine minutes would be the maximum. Now it's not so difficult 
right? Imagine most slices of challah, any decent slice of challah, will be more than a kebeah. If you have a slice of challah, you can assume it's a kebeah, it's a decent slice, it's kebeah. It just basically requires one that after they receive the piece of challah, the first piece of challah, just eat it straight and don't delay and just don't take a little piece and then wait a little piece away, but finish it and really eat the whole thing. Again, within two minutes, not a long, it's not a short time. It's not a big deal to eat a slice of challah in two minutes. Probably can eat it in 30 seconds. But just a matter of eating it and, and finishing it. And we'll see that there's a number of other reasons as well to make sure and to be particularly careful to have this amount of bread within this time frame. So the first one is to make the bracha volunteer slam. Since we always do that, we want to make that bracha properly. It requires a minimal amount of bread, which the kebeah of pas, with a kedechilis pas. So, it's a good question. I mean, chenuch is obviously always what is feasible for the child to do and what they can do. Eating a, a slice of chal is probably not a big deal for a child. So when a child is... Right, so it depends, again, what age child shouldn't, shouldn't be force-fed, shouldn't be, right, you're not going to... But to the extent that that child can understand the concept that there's a person should eat a minimal amount of bread within the time frame, they should be taught that. And teaching the bracha with the washing can have the younger. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're not because because there, there are two parts of chenuch. Each each type of chenuch is independent, really. Right? I have a chenuch teach a bracha. I'm not going to teach to wash without a bracha because that's right. Right, counterintuitive to chenuch. But uh, at the point that the child is ready to be taught, also that the idea of eating bread within the time frame, they should be taught that as well. And that would be a second aspect. So that's one important point to keep in mind, for the sake of making the bracha volunteer sedayin. The second reason why it's important to have a kebeah of, of pas, by a Shabbos suda in particular, is because to be Yotzei suda Shabbos, one has to wash. That's the requirement for suda Shabbos, at least for sure the first two meals. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. For sure the first two meals. The minimal amount that one should have for a Shabbos meal, Friday night and Shabbos day, is a kebeah. In Again, in the same time span of two to nine minutes. So the second reason now that one should be careful and make sure to have that kebeah pass, two to nine minutes, in order to be also suda Shabbos. So one for the bracha of secondly for the mitzvah of suda Shabbos. Now there are two other reasons. These other reasons actually apply more to a kezayis, which is half the amount, but again, one needs a kebeah anyway, but this is more relevant perhaps for other situations. One needs a kezayis firstly to bench, Without a kezayis, a person will not receive a chasamazon. So, one had a small amount of bread, they wouldn't actually bench. For some reason, one only had a small amount of bread, couldn't eat more, wasn't able to eat more, couldn't find whatever it may be, would not bench. And that's a kezayis, not a kebeah, it's a kezayis. So that's a share for a smaller amount of kezayis. And the fourth point, which is also particularly relevant, is that we know that when one makes hamosi, it covers other foods. No other foods require their own bracha. That's only true if one has a minimum of a kazayas of food. I'm sorry, kazayas of bread. If one has a kazayas of bread, that covers other foods. For some reason, if one had a small amount of bread and then didn't eat bread at all afterwards, the other foods require their own bracha. They would have to actually have independent bracha on all those foods. And if one didn't do so, they actually missed out a bracha on all the other foods. Now, some say it is the best thing is to have the 
the kezayis of bread before eating any other foods. Because the first thing you want you to have before, since you want to cover all the other foods, should be the first thing you have. And therefore, and this goes back into what we said before, therefore the proper way, particularly for any bread meal, but on Shabbos as well, make, it would certainly go along with the same idea, that after one starts their piece of challah, finish it. Within two to nine minutes, and that takes care of all these four issues. You can have a kebeya, if it's a full slice of a kebeya, without question, which is enough for the Shabbos meal, enough enough for to bench, and enough to cover all the foods without a question. So that's why the post can point out that the preferable weight for the Shabbos meal, and really for any meal which one has bread, is to take a slice of bread and consume it immediately. Again, preferably within two minutes, maximum of nine minutes, to avoid any shilas of all these four issues that we, that we raised, which one will get into when only having a small amount of bread without having the proper amount. And this really talks to the idea that you know, sometimes they have, you go to a restaurant or a wedding, and they have small pieces of bread by the washing station, that often leads to this issue. Often people wash, they have a small piece of bread, and that's it. And then they say, okay, they won't have bread afterwards. So sometimes they forget to have any more bread. All they have is a small piece of bread, which is, raises all these issues. They weren't, they shouldn't bench if they don't have more than that amount, if they don't have a kazayas of bread. They shouldn't have the bracha vantiyoshadayim. It doesn't cover all the foods. And obviously for Shabbos, there's not yotzusu to Shabbos. So the piece of bread, which is by the washing stations, often leads into initial people forgetting and not thinking about eating more bread. Happens to be another point, which is a side point, is that the bracha famotu should be said while sitting not said while standing, which is the point in general. And the reason is, particularly hamotzi, which is a bracha on a, on, on a suda, on bread, which is a, which is a suda, should be said while sitting down, basically ready for a meal, which is called a kriyas, establishing oneself for a meal. And standing up, which one is obviously not necessarily focused on sitting down in part of a meal, is not a proper way to make a bracha hamotzi. So that's a side point why those small pieces of bread aren't preferable. The reason why they have the small pieces of bread is really to address the problem we mentioned before that very often the sink is far away from the table and you can end up walking from the table to the sink and having a half sick. As we mentioned, it's a much simpler solution. Don't dry one's hands. And instead of eating the bread, which is by the sink, which raises many issues, number one, instead of while standing and often forget to have other bread, simpler and better solution is don't fully dry your hands while you're washing, walk to the table, finish drying your hands, and then make the hamotzi bracha, and I'll take care of all the issues. That's just a, a much simpler solution than, than having the bread there. So that's an important point as far as the amount of food, I'm sorry, the amount of bread one, one's required to eat. Again, two reasons for a kezai, two reasons for a kebeya, and both, all of them apply within this two to nine minutes. So it's important to keep that in mind anytime that a person's having bread, obviously on Shabbos as well. We mentioned before there's a requirement of pas, of bread, for Shabbos. And that particularly applies the first two meals. We'll discuss I'll show this separately a little later on. But the first two meals certainly require their own chiva of pas. Now that's important for a number of reasons. Obviously the requirement to have bread. And that just suffice with other foods. That's number one. Number two is that there's an important rule regarding the addition we make in Berchus Muzzle, which in this case is Ritzay. So Ritzay is added on for Shabbos. There's a discussion in Halacha in general when there's an addition, if one forgets the addition that is required to repeat Berchus So in this case, Ritzay, 
is added on for Shabbos. If one forgets for say that they go back and repeat Berachas HaMazon. So it's a very simple rule. And the rule is as follows, is that if the requirement to have bread was a chiv, that means one is required to have bread for this meal, then the addition that one recites in Berachas HaMazon for that meal is necessary. And if one misses it, they have to go back. So again, Shabbos, one's required to have bread for sure for the first two meals. Because one's required to have bread, therefore if one forgets to say Berachas HaMazon, they're required to go back and repeat Berachas HaMazon. So that's the rule that always follows. Is that whenever there's a requirement to have bread, if you forget the addition, you have to go back. So just as an example, Rosh Chodesh, where there's no requirement to have bread, it's, uh, there's an advantage eating bread for Rosh Chodesh, having a Suda, no requirement to have bread for Rosh Chodesh. If one forgets the Alav Yavu on Rosh Chodesh, they would not repeat Berachas HaMazon. Same thing would apply for Cholamoid. Cholamoid is no requirement to have bread. If one re- forgets Yalav Yavon Cholamoid, they would not be required to repeat Berachas HaMazon. Shabbos, or Yantav, one is required to have bread. If one forgets the addition of either Ritzay or Yalav Yavon, one person is required to repeat Berachas HaMazon. Let's say Hanukkah, which is Hanukkah. There's Alanisim, no requirement to, no requirement to have bread on Hanukkah. So if you forget Alanisim, no requirement to repeat. Same thing with Purim. So it goes by, that's the, that's the basic rule. Whenever there's a requirement to have bread, the addition which comes as a result, if one misses it, they have to go back. So therefore, the first two meals for sure, if one forgets Ritzay, they're required to repeat Berachas HaMazon. And the reason being is because of this, it's a requirement to have bread. More than that, even if one is not sure if they said Ritzay, means one finished Berachas HaMazon, and does not remember if they said Ritzay or not, the assumption is they forgot it. We assume a person says Ritzay like they normally obviously don't say Ritzay during the week, and the assumption is they would not have said Ritzay if they didn't think about it, and therefore if they don't remember, we assume they didn't say it, and actually required to repeat Berachas HaMazon. It's interesting that, particularly regarding forgetting Ritzay, and similar to Yal Yavo, there is a... the article center, it's not on every bencher, but there's a particular bracha that can be said. Now, what's confusing about this is because it's only said at one very particular point. I'm just going to explain how this works. That, let's say it's said right before Vnei Yerushalayim. So if one forgets what's saying and starts with Vnei Yerushalayim, they can still go back, no problem. Until where can they go back? They said, Baruch Ato Hashem, so they can, if they said, Hashem's name already. If they remembered right there, they would say, Lamdeni Chukecha. That's the end of a Pasuk. Baruch Chukecha. And then go back. But once they start the next words, Bonei Barachim of Yerushalayim or Amen, it's too late to go back at that point. However, right then, at the end of Amen, right before starting Baruch Hashem of the next Baracha, there is a potential to make up the Ritzei by saying a Baracha which is born in the Siddur. It's actually, I'm just going to read it. It's in, it's in Article Siddur, in some benches. Baruch atah Hashem al-Kinim al-Kha olam, shanasna shabasos l'manucha l'ami Yisrael bi'ava, lo'os to the bris, baruch atah Hashem al-Kadosh HaShab. It's the bracha which is born in, the, in, the, in some Siddurim, some benches. And that can be said as a replacement for what say only until one starts the next bracha. That means one starts the next bracha with Hashem's name and, and starts goes to al-Kinim al-Kha At that point, it's too late. You have to go back to the beginning of Birch HaSamazon. So it's only relevant a very, very short window when it's relevant, which is why it doesn't come up that often. That's why most people aren't familiar with this bracha, because that's so practical and relevant. It's only really said exactly in that point 
after it's too late to go back to Vinay Shlaim and once one has not started the next bracha yet, at that point it can be said, but not after that. And once one continues the bracha, they have to go back to the beginning of Brichas HaMazun and say, say. So they're in the middle of that bracha when they realize they're closing out. Do they finish that bracha and then go to the beginning of that thing? Or they stop no, stop right where you are. Yeah, as soon as, as soon as you would start that bracha, you would go back to the beginning of, once it goes past the Lekenu, right? Like, until, through Hashem Yisrael, Deinu Chukecha. But once, once the Lekenu, that's it, you stop right there, go back to the beginning, and say it with Ritzay. So it's, again, there's a short window where that bracha can be said and can be used, but if someone does remember right over here, they would actually say this bracha, which is brought in the beginning of, um, in, in some benches as a, as a way of saying it. So that's, if one remembers. Obviously, if it's later on in Birchas Hamazon or any other time where it's later than that, it's too late, and they would go back to the beginning and say, I would say afterwards. And they would say, I would say again. That bracha is also brought, this is a similar version of that for Yom Tov and for when your Shabbos and Yom Tov together. It's a bunch of different versions of that bracha. So it would be relevant also for Yal Yavo, for I would say, see the different, different versions. Now, leading into Shalashudas, which is its own separate discussion, I want to mention one point about the bread, and then we'll discuss much more next week about the other halachas regarding Shalashudas. So, firstly, Shalashudas has, for some reason, a misconception that it is less required than other meals. It's not. It means the requirement of three meals on Shabbos, they're all the same level of requirement. One's required, men, women, children, we have the same responsibility and requirement of having all three meals on Shabbos. The one difference between the first two meals and Shalashudas is in terms of what one is required to have. First two meals, unquestionably, one's required to have pasta, to have bread. Third meal is questionable, and it's based on a, a, a number of different opinions. Is one actually required to have pasta, bread for Shalashudas? L'chatchila, preferably, no question, one should have pasta, one should have bread for Shalashudas. It's certainly the best thing and most proper thing to have. If for some reason it's not feasible, practical, one doesn't have bread, there are other options, particularly about Shalashudas, which aren't options in the first two meals. But again, these are options which are not as l'chatchila, but if one doesn't have the ability or they have the, one's too full, one feels they're going to be overeating and stuffing themselves if they have bread, the other Shulchan gives other options. The second best option will be Mizonos. Third best option will be Basar or Dagim, Feed, um, fish or meat. And the fourth and last option will be fruits. Again, it's always at least the kazayas, the minimal amount of kazayas of those, of each one of those things. That would be the second, third, and fourth option for shalashudas. If one doesn't have, or doesn't have the ability, or can't do it for whatever other reason, they can use one of the other options. But again, preferably to have bread. But the reason why particularly this makes a difference is that regarding the halacha we just said, we said that any time there's a requirement to have bread, if one forgets Ritzay, you have to say over Brechas HaMazon. That's only true the first two meals. Meaning the third meal, since there are opinions, and halacha we hold, that one can be to Shalashudas even without bread. Therefore, if one forgets Ritzay by Shalashudas, they would not repeat over Brechas HaMazon. And they would... They missed it. Again, if one would remember before, they, they can still go back, they would go back. It means if, if you remember before the bracha of Anayi Shalim and Akodesh, in the middle of that bracha, you still go back. If you remember in between, you still say that bracha that we just mentioned before. But once it's too late to go back, at that point, one would not repeat bracha Samazdan and say over again, but they would keep on repeating, they would keep on going 
finish off benching and not necessarily go back. And that's because there is opinions that hold down a requirement to have bread the same way the first two meals. So that's one unique difference between Shoshodas and the other two meals. But again, that's only in the case when one doesn't have the ability to have, to have, to have bread, they can suffice with other things. Which next week we'll discuss more about the other halachas Shoshodas. There are a number of other halachas which are relevant, particularly in terms of timing, the earliest time, the latest time, exactly one, how when structures the the Berchas Amazon of that, which we'll discuss the next week. Have a wonderful evening.